0: Hello, Notorious Bakersfield listeners. It's almost spooky season, my favorite time of year. And yes, Notorious Bakersfield's annual Halloween audio driving tour will be back. This year's all-new tour will take you to crime scene locations and spooky areas in Rosedale. The tour will be available for purchase beginning October 1st and run through the month of October. Keep an eye on Notorious Bakersfield's social media pages for links to purchase the tour, beginning October 1st. Before getting into the details of this story, I need to set the scene. I need to establish the mood of bakersfield around the time that this story happened during the 1980s bakersfield citizens witnessed a series of lurid child molestation trials these cases involved multiple alleged child abuse rings and the dragnet ensnared dozens of individuals 36 to be exact through coercive coaching and other manipulative tactics Kern County investigators were able to get the children to make up outlandish stories. Stories that involved the children's own parents and relatives. Many of the accusations the children made were so over the top, they were hard to believe at face value. But it didn't matter how unbelievable these accusations were. Kern County's district attorney at the time and a contingent of seasoned prosecutors went after the accused with a vengeance. One case in 1984 was the most infamous. It became known as the satanic child molestation ring. Children claimed they were forced to have sex with their own parents. They were forced to drink blood, they were hung from hooks and witnessed the sacrificial killings of babies. Those were just some of the children's claims. We now know those were lies. The children who had testified that they had been victims recanted their testimony. Each person in those rings who were found guilty years later had their convictions overturned. Except for two individuals. Those two people died in prison before they were ever able to clear their names. But that satanic story, that's the one that made the most news. The allegations were shocking. So people paid attention to that story more than any of the other child abuse ring stories that were happening almost concurrently. These child abuse ring stories deserve a notorious Bakersfield episode all on their own. And I probably will eventually cover those stories in more detail. But the reason I bring it up for this story is to establish Bakersfield's collective mindset for that period. Many people in Bakersfield sincerely believed there were satanic cults roaming the streets of Bakersfield doing awful things to children. There had to be. The justice system caught them. Caught them, prosecuted them, won convictions and they were sent to prison for many, many years. We watched it all play out nightly on the 11 o'clock news. The most appropriate word to describe Bakersfield's mood for this era is hysteria. That was how things were in Bakersfield throughout the 80s, almost nonstop. By the time 1990 rolled around, just when Bakersfield thought it was done hearing about satanic cults. Another shocking story grabbed Bakersfield's attention. This story had a familiar tone, a satanic tone. This is The Vanishing Fire Chaplain. For obvious reasons, Easter Sunday is a busy day for church pastors. Easter Sunday 1990 was no different for Pastor Bill York, Not only was he busy with his church duties, he also served as a volunteer chaplain for the Bakersfield City Fire Department. The night of Easter Sunday, hours after everyone was finished with their Easter celebrations, Bill York needed to run some errands. As his wife was going to bed, Bill told her that he needed to go to the church on Ming Avenue. There were some things he needed to pick up then he was going to swing by two fire stations to check in on the firefighters just to see how their easter sunday went bill york left his Oildale home around 9:30 that night it's not certain what york did that night we don't know if he actually went to the church or if he did pay those firefighters a late night visit I mean, Street? Street? What's the location? Uh, what? What's what we the do street? know is that around 1 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning, fire department dispatchers heard a radio call, an ominous plea for help. It was garbled, hard to understand. The person identified themselves as Chaplain York. He was using his department-issued handheld radio. It definitely sounded like he was in distress. But that's all that was known. Just a series of panicked radio transmissions. No location was given. Nothing. Was he in an automobile accident? Was he being assaulted? Fire department officials went to Chaplain York's house, woke up his wife, Danietta, but there was no sign of Chaplain York or his pickup. His wife said the last time she saw him was when he left around 9.30 to run those errands. York told his wife he was going to the church to pick up some things, then was going to Fire Station 7 on Serrano Drive near Ming Avenue. Then he was supposed to go to Fire Station 6 on Brundage Lane near Union Avenue. By sunrise that Monday morning, Bakersfield City and county firefighters were scouring the Bakersfield area. Firefighters who were off-duty joined the search. York's house was in Oildale. The locations he was supposed to visit that night were miles apart. A lot of territory had to be searched for the missing volunteer fire chaplain. What he was supposed to pick up at the church that night was never disclosed to the press. But whatever it was, investigators believed he picked it up because it wasn't at the church. As for him visiting those two firehouses, none of the firefighters working that shift ever saw York at their station, at either station. During that first day of York missing, close friends and fire department officials revealed some unsettling details, some things that York claimed had happened to him leading up to his disappearance close friend told the Bakersfield Californian that York had received anonymous threatening letters. According to this close friend, the letters were written in red ink and had satanic references. Chaplain York claimed he'd gotten two letters in the beginning of 1990. They arrived about a month apart. These letters didn't seem to bother York. He took it in stride. But about two weeks before he went missing, York claimed he got another mysterious letter, and this third one seemed to threaten Chaplain York personally. After receiving that letter, York was loaned a bulletproof vest for his protection. Two of the three letters were mailed to Fire Station One in downtown Bakersfield. The third letter was mailed to York's church. Ten hours after those desperate radio transmissions, Chaplain York's white 1979 four-door pickup was discovered. It appeared it had been driven off Golden State Highway near Airport Drive. It rested at the bottom of a 40-foot embankment under a eucalyptus tree. All of its doors were locked, but Chaplain York wasn't in or around his pickup. Kern County Sheriff's detectives were dispatched to investigate. There was a single set of shoe prints leading away from the pickup, but disappeared when they got to pavement. And there were no skid marks on Golden State Highway that would indicate York had been in a traffic accident or lost control and went down the embankment. Analysis of the scene also revealed all four tires of the pickup remained on the ground. If he had gone off the embankment at freeway speeds, investigators believe that at least one of the tires would have left the ground at some point. There was something conspicuously absent from the pickup. Blood. There wasn't any blood inside, on, or around the truck. Another thing to note here is the location of where the vehicle was found. York's pickup was only two miles from his house in Oildale. They searched all the possible routes he could have taken if he were to have walked home. In many respects, finding Chaplain York's pickup created more questions about his case than it answered. Bill York's wife, Donetta, sat vigil near the phone, hoping her husband would call home. The York family's phone did ring a lot, constantly, but all the callers were friends and family phoning to check in, on the family, and to offer support. The first 12 to 24 hours, Danietta spent answering the phones. But after that first day or so, she felt she should take a more active role in the search for her husband. Danietta worked in the field of publishing and decided to use the resources she had available to print missing person flyers. Now, each time a person called the house offering assistance, Donetta had something she could give them, an arm full of flyers to distribute. She mobilized an army of volunteers to assist in this effort. People hung these posters in their neighborhoods and taped them on their windows of their cars. Vehicles all over Bakersfield became rolling billboards. Federal Express delivery drivers were pressed into action. They hung the flyers in their trucks and left a flyer with every package they delivered. Kern County Sheriff's detectives issued a public plea. They asked for anybody to come forward who may have seen York or his white pickup immediately before he disappeared. Thursday, the fourth day of Bill York missing, at about 10.30 in the morning, fire department dispatchers received... A fuzzy radio call from Chaplin York. He said he was on an Amtrak bus on the grapevine heading towards Bakersfield. He asked dispatchers to tell his wife he was okay and to have her meet him at the Amtrak station. When he stepped off the bus he was disheveled and tired and walked with a slight limp but he had no visible injuries. When he saw one of the missing person flyers posted at the Amtrak depot, York broke down in tears. According to Chaplain York, the night he disappeared, he visited Fire Station 1 in downtown Bakersfield. All the firefighters were asleep, so York hung out and watched TV, After about 30 minutes, he decided to leave. York said when he left the station, he noticed a small blue car following him. When he got on Golden State Highway, he noticed flashing from the car behind him. Then he heard popping noises. This car came up alongside York's pickup, and York swerved to get away from the car. That's when his pickup drove off the embankment of the highway. Once his pickup stopped moving, York grabbed a duffel bag from inside his truck like an overnight bag that he kept packed and ready to go in case he was called out of town at the last minute. York said when he first got out of his pickup, he exchanged gunfire with the assailant. He grabbed that bag and took off running. After running for about a half a mile, York claimed he hopped on a slow-moving freight train and rode that train to... wherever. He never explained where exactly this train took him, why he never reached out to his wife, or why he never contacted law enforcement. He was gone for four days, and he never notified anyone. Kern County Sheriff John Smith said there were a lot of unanswered questions about this case. He said detectives never found any bullet holes in York's pickup or spent shell casings in the vicinity of where the truck was found. More baffling, there were no skid marks on the highway where York drove his pickup off the embankment. The sheriff said there were many loose ends that needed to be cleared up. Shortly after his reemergence, Bakersfield Fire Chief Dennis Needham remove Pastor Bill York from the chaplain program. The chief said that as long as questions remain unanswered about his disappearance, it was the best move for everyone involved. But there were others in the department and outside the department who were steadfast in their support of Bill York. The Kern County Sheriff's Office closed their investigation into York's mysterious four-day disappearance without filing any charges. The report released by the KCSO didn't reach any conclusions, but it did highlight the discrepancies in York's story. It also said Fire Chief Needham stated early on in York's disappearance that he believed it was a put-on. Over 30 years later, and Bakersfield citizens are still without answers as to what really happened to Bill York. Resources used to research the story, the Bakersfield Californian. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Until then, stay safe, stay out of trouble, don't become a future episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. Have a good week.